Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. Also to be rebroadcast on my podcast, Lead to Serve, we welcome you live on the Grace FM radio network. And of course, we have a shout out to everyone on Hope FM. Uh, It's New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Maryland. We welcome everyone down in Kentucky, South Carolina, uh, on Truth FM. We Refuge FM in Minneapolis and the other stations that carry this. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today is another special edition of Calvary Live as we step right into the discussion on racial tensions, on racism, the the reality of the culture in which we live, and we're glad that you're here. If you want to get on the air, uh, if we do have times and the flow of the show goes, we'll take your call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. If you don't get on the air, your call doesn't get in, Forgive us, because the conversation uh, will be such that we we just aren't in that place to take your call. But if it if it's if the opening comes, that's what we'll do. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. So we have a special guest today. Pastor Miles McPherson is calling in from San Diego. Hey, welcome to the program, Miles. How you doing? Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm doing really good. It's uh, it's a blessing <laughs> to have you. I know that. I know that you have been giving a lot of interviews, and so investing your time in Colorado, I know I know we're blessed by it, so thanks. Well, my pleasure, my pleasure. So I'm looking at your bio here, and there's a lot of info here. First of all, we know that you played for the Chargers. We won't hold that against you here in Denver. Don't worry about that. Uh, right. So and I have to th- say something <laughs> about the Denver Broncos, if you want Okay, mind. go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I love going to Denver. I tell you, I, the last time I went there, the game started at about 65 degrees, and at <laughs> halftime it was probably about 60, and then like in 15 minutes it was snowing. <laughs> what's, what's up with that? <laughs> hey, man, you, you get all four seasons in one day here. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I was kneeling on the sideline. I remember it was like yesterday. I said, did someone just open the refrigerator door in a freezer? <laughs> it just got cold like in a minute. No, I love I loved it. I loved being up there. I love Denver. I love the people. They were loud. It was at Mile High Stadium, so it was a different stadium, and they were loud and right in our face, and it was exciting. You know, I grew up in, in Southern Cal with all the different teams and all the different things. When I moved here, and I'm looking too, you know, you started the Rock Church in 2000. We moved here in 1999 uh, and planted the church here. And when we moved here, I really didn't understand. Uh, I didn't. I I didn't grasp the loyalty of a city to a sports team, you know, singularly like that, like this is a football city and they love their Broncos. Oh, and and let me tell you something. Mile High Stadium was one of the loudest stadiums I've ever been in and, and, and it had no roof. I mean, I've been in 
stadiums with roofs, and to be loud with no roof means you're really loud. So you're you're, you're correct. They're loyal. I love this city. So 2000, planting Rock Church in San Diego, 20,000 people plus uh, call you their pastor and worship with you, follow you. And and, and one of the things I read, uh, 2018, this was startling. You had 53 million people view a gospel presentation from The Rock online, and over a million people responded to receive the Lord. That's amazing. Yeah, what we do is we actually make one-minute videos that we boost uh, for people to hear the gospel, and they respond. I mean, and uh, it's it's amazing. So you don't need to speak long to um, to get the gospel across, but uh, it's been effective. Well, and, you know, we go back, you and I go back um, to the days when you would come to Calvary Downey, you'd pack that place out, that's where I got saved, you were a frequent guest for Pastor Jeff, and then Love and then I was invited to uh, join the huddles. You would come to the huddles with Pastor Mike, and oh, yeah. I've always always been blessed by by the delivery. Like God, God has uniquely gifted you, and and that's why that's why here on on this particular conversation, as we as we step into, uh, you know, I'm a white pastor, you're a black man, and we want to hear what you have to say, and we need to hear what you have to say and we want to hear it. And so the biggest the the biggest place where you are now is the third option. And you wrote a book, The Third Option, and let me read to you from uh, for you guys listening in, let me read to to launch off into our dialogue today from the introduction. Uh, Pastor Miles writes, "You may be feeling like I did that day, wondering how you can escape the devastating impacts of racism. Maybe you've experienced racism personally." or you know someone else who has. Maybe you feel like you've been wrongly blamed for racist events that happened long before you were born. Maybe you want to learn how to have a conversation about race, but you're afraid of saying the wrong thing. Maybe you're trying to recover from the shame of being the target of a perpetrator of racism, or maybe you're searching for a way to deal with the race-based hate, resentment, and fear that you cling to in your heart. Whatever your reasons for picking up this book, I commend you for your courage and your commitment to tackling racism head on. And so, Miles, as we start out uh, with that that introduction, like, like, what would you say to people that would would maybe even be thinking about turning this now that they heard what the discussion's about? They're like, you know, I don't think I need to hear this. I don't want to hear this. How would you approach them as we just launch into it? Yeah, that's a great introduction and a great question. And I thank you for having me and and uh, being able to have this conversation. Um, I would say this, if you're a Christian, and I assume most of the people watching, listening are Christian, I would encourage you to make your decisions on how you approach this topic based on the Bible and not politics. A lot of the people I've been talking to have opinions about uh, the race conversation, Black Lives Matter, and all the police stuff, and we can get into all that, but a lot of it's based on politics and political views and not the Bible. And my prayer is that we would say, Lord, you, you tell me what you want me to do. Um, and, and I would also say, if you're white, you're going to have a different experience in these conversations because it's going to be relatively new to you when people of color have to deal with racism every day. I've dealt with it since I was born and my parents and grandparents, et cetera. And so I I get that there's going to be a little different level of tension and uncomfortability, but this is a friendly conversation. 
between two brothers in Christ, and I pray you take advantage of listening and take advantage of the resources that we're going to make available to you because the, the commandment to love our neighbor as ourselves, and we're going to talk about what that means, is a non-negotiable. <laughs> you know, so I pray that uh, this will be an encouragement to you. My, 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 my whole purpose of writing the book, The Third Option, was to give people tools that, to not only have the conversation, but to actually to love better. And so that's the goal of this conversation right now. And so from my experience, when we, uh, with the third option in particular, we were at a conference, Costa Mesa, you were a guest, you shared a dynamic message, introduced the book. Uh, I brought that message. The message resonated with my heart. This was a couple years ago, maybe, I don't know, it's, we're in 20, so maybe 18 or 19. And uh, I'm a pastor. I pastor and I, I have a team that works with me. So I brought that back. We, we changed up our our staff meeting, we watched the video, we discussed it. Uh, I think we gave the book out as a tool. And then the following week, we went back to normal. And we went back to normal. And and I felt at that time, I thought, man, we need this added to our repertoire. We need to we need to change our thinking. And we moved on. And that that's how I approached it from the dynamic, you know, from the message you shared, dynamic, minister to my heart, brought some conviction. I brought the book back. I think we made it a pick of the month on our radio broadcast. I, we, passed, we made it available to our church, but then I just moved on. And then with this, this, recent, uh, this recent uprising, this recent um, difficulty with George Floyd, um, the, the, all of everything surrounding that, we, we responded differently. And, and I, I began to look at my leadership on this particular topic. I, I, I want to lead well. Uh, I want to take our church in the, into the community. I want, I, want, I want to be able to lead well with the skin that God gave me and the calling that God's given me. Um, and so this, this year, we, we made the book prominent again. We played the video again, and then we did discipleship. So our staff just finished your... Uh, going through a book, talking about it, having each of the pastors, including um, a couple of the pastors on our staff that are black, lead. It was very hard, very challenging, very tense. Uh, we went through all the emotions, but we got through it. I'm very proud of our team. But I share this to say for those listening that th this is hard. It, it, it's a challenging time because n not only are we in the midst of the COVID uh, deal, but we also have this racial uh, crisis, the, the tension, the racism that it seems like it's the topic of the day, Miles, but it's been like this has been the topic. That, I mean, we've had this issue from the fall of man. The, it's a sin mm -hmm. issue. Would you would you say it's a sin issue? And, and have you seen the same thing? I, I mean, I just want to start like for pastors listening to, to take the, the take the approach that I know it's hard. It was hard for me. It's still challenging. But I want to change, and I want to be used in these last days. I want to. Well, one, I commend you for everything you just said you did, and and, and I commend you for you know doing what you knew was going to be difficult. Um, absolutely, it's a sin issue. Um, uh, let me give you a definition of racism that may resonate with all of you. Racism is a spiritual issue before it's political, and it's spiritual before it's social. It is a spiritual issue, and racism is when you see the image of God in someone else as less than the image of God in you. Mm. And if the image of God is less than someone in someone else, they, they deserve less. They don't. They don't need to be. They don't need to have the justice you get. They don't need to have the, the opportunities you get. 
um, the grace you get, and and so you, you and you allow people to be mistreated because they're not as human. You may have never said that in your head, uh, even though when slaves were here, they called them animals and three fifths of a man, et cetera. Uh, but in the end, when you when you when the Holy Spirit can reveal to you His presence equally in someone else, in the image of God, equally in someone else, you will treat them very differently. You know, the Bible says, love you, God, with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. One of the things that we do, and and I write about in the book, and I have an e-course now that's six weeks, six sessions for small groups. Um, one of the sessions is on labels. And when you label someone less than mm. neighbor, yeah. you give yourself permission not to love them. And so what the media does, and this is why I was talking about the politics of racism, when the media says that person's a thug or that person's privileged or that person's a white this or black this or illegal, once you give someone a label like that, you have replaced the image of God label to a dehumanizing label. And that's a trick of the devil. We have to replace those dishonoring labels and say, no, that's my neighbor. That's my yeah. brother, that's my sister, and, and then love them accordingly. So, yes, it's a sin issue, but the sin is seeing the image of God in someone else, seeing them as less than or less than less human than you, and thus you treat them that way. But um, I commend you for what you're doing, and, and, um, and I, know it's, I know it's hard, but, you know, Jesus did not come to make us happy. He came <laughs> to make us holy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, I, and you know, in America, we want, hey, God loves me. I have a job. I got a nice house. And, and that's, a, a, that's a sign of the blessing. Well, really, the sign of the blessing is the peace of God and the love of God growing in your heart towards people and, and people that don't agree with you. I mean, that's where you really know you walk with God. And that's the key, like the, the fruit of the Spirit. So, so thinking through the definition of racism now, we know that we know that racism is a much larger issue than just black and white. We we have that tendency to find reasons to divide and hurt people from all races, even beyond race. We divide, you know, economically. We divide educationally, cor- uh, culturally, geography. It seems like the enemy has influenced us to find just about any reason to divide. And I. I love how you describe in you know, how you describe and really gave us. This is what this was one of the one 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 of the many takeaways that we that I keep here reson I keep hearing resonate among our team and anyone that's read the book. Um, you 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 develop this phrase to help our thinking and help shape our thinking. And you describe in groups and out groups. <laughs> Can you explain what those terms mean? Uh, I, and 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 that this was the. The big aha when I was writing this book, because I, I had never heard that myself, and people are divided. And this is sociology. People are divided by people who are like me and not like me, and those are our groups. And anybody who is like me, they're part of one of my in-group, and anybody who's not like me is part of the out-group. And that's how we are all in multiple groups. Women are a group, men are a group, you know, radio hosts are a group, pastors are a group, dads are a group. And obviously we are all in multiple groups. And when you understand, when you, when you identify someone in your group, those are the people you understand the best. You understand the variations of those people, how they think, how they, 
how they, you know, dress, et cetera. But the people of your out group, you don't. You generalize because you don't know them, and that's where stereotypes come from. You may, you know, if you're not Hispanic and you don't know a whole lot, a whole lot of Hispanics, you may think that all Spanish speakers speak the same, but they don't. You may think all Muslims are the same. There's really 150 counts. And so because you, that's not your group, but if, if someone is in your in-group, you understand them really well. And, um, and then you exercise uh, in-group bias or you give preferential treatment to the people of your in-group. You're more patient. You give them the benefit of the doubt. But you have less patience with your out-group. And you're right. That could be race or ethnicity. There's only one race, the human race. But it could be ethnicity. It could be neighborhood. It could be accent. It could be socioeconomic because we are so sinful, we will look for any reason to make someone lower than us. And so it's not black and white. It's just one of many. I mean, in Africa, it's black and black. It's really a tribal thing. In yeah. India, it's, it's, a, it's a caste thing, caste system. And so he, mankind is just, we, we're so sinful, we create ways to be discriminatory. And so that's why I wrote the book that way, so it applies to anybody, anywhere. And if you look at the protests um, that, are, that have been going on, those protests on black people or white people, it's everybody. But it's, it, what they all have in common is that they're against something and for something, however we want to look at it. And so, yeah, that, that grouping is awesome. Now, here's the cool thing about the grouping, which I'm sure you picked up on, is that if I look at you, I can decide whether you're in my in-group or out-group because we all have more similarities than differences. And even though we live in an us-versus-them culture, which is, which is what we see on TV, you're either for or against blacks, you're for or against the police, you're for or against Republican or Democrat, the third option is that we honor what we have in common. And that's what the whole book is about, to give people tools to do that. If I see you, I could decide, oh, he's white, so he's not like me. Or I could decide, wait a minute, he's a man, we have that in common. So he's my in-group. He's a pastor. We have that in common. So he's in my in-group. He's a, he's a, he, he likes to talk, <laughs> right? <laughs> he, he, you know, but he, he's in my in-group. I mean, he's probably, I, I'm assuming you're a dad. You're, you're in my in-group. So here's all these things we have in common. And if we focused on that, I would, then now we're friends. We got lots to talk about. And it just so happens that your different look and your different life that you've led actually adds to the conversation because I get to learn instead of saying those things have to keep us apart. So that's what the whole book's about. I pre- hope people get it um, and, and benefit, it, benefit from it like you did. You know, one of the one of the things that really uh, tripped us up on this, not tripped us up, uh, maybe so, it, it was challenging. You asked the question early on. You posed the question in the book. It says, uh, are you a racist? And you just, and we had to face that. Are you a racist? Yeah. And then you're, in the book, you say, consequently, we're likely to answer no, which that's our default. Like we, especially as believers, we're like, no, we're born again. We're new creations in Christ. Uh, maybe I was a racist, but I'm not anymore, or I've never been. And then you, you say, consequently, we're likely to answer no in one of the following ways. Defensiveness. I'm not a racist. I might have biases, but they're all justified. Or self-righteousness. I'm not a racist. I'm a social crusader who's woke. Uh, or helplessness. I'm not a racist. 
I, I'm not a racist. And there's nothing I can do about racism in America. Apathy, I'm not a racist. And racism, racism doesn't concern me. Uncertainty, I'm not a racist. Uh, and I'm not entirely sure what being racist means. And then you say, the third option frees us from the culture's false dichotomy by offering us the grace that we need in order to admit that we're imperfect in our love for others. Uh, what would you say to someone that they're listening right now and we're talking about racism and they're looking at the media and everything's being formed by their upbringing, their media, their in-group and their out-group and saying, you know, you know, Miles, you know, pastors, I'm not racist in any way whatsoever. I'm not even sure why I need to listen to this. Well, I would, you know, I hate to try to convince someone that there are something. Um, and if you're not racist, great. I think the best way to, a couple things. Do you want to be the best loving Christian to everybody you can? Yeah. If the answer is yeah. yes, then focus on that. Um, and part of that is to um, find out where you may be lacking in that. And one of the ways to do that is to uh, – let me back up a little bit. I have two chapters on blind spots. Blind spots are yeah. not knowing what you don't know. And so if you said that you're not racist, I would ask you, how do you know? You know, it's almost like if, if, if in my job, you know, we have 160 employees or whatever – and if the women in, in at our church and our staff said, you know, uh, Miles, Pastor Miles, we have a culture here that disrespects women. And I, and I could either say a couple things. I could say, no, we don't. And they could say, you don't respect women. I could say, no, yes, I do. And if they said, how do you know? I, I could give them the evidence, but, I'm think, but I would have to ask myself, really, the evidence is what they say. Because right. I could have a, a perspective of how I treat women, but really the answer is to them. I, I, sometimes I ask guys when I'm talking about blind spots, I ask, tell people, if you want to know if you have a blind spot, just ask people around you uh, that are different ethnicity, is there anything I do that's offensive? Or yeah. ask the women in your life, I say this to the guys, ask the women in your life, if you are creepy, hey, <laughs> Pastor, I don't know that any guy's going to ask that question, right? <laughs> because we're so, guys are just creepy and don't even know it. And so it's not really a matter of proving someone is racist. No matter how bad do you really want to be, not not racist, but loving and loving to the people who are receiving the love. Because you could be racially offensive and not be a racist. In other words, you could love people and just be the nicest person. I've been in rooms, trust me, I've been in rooms with older white people, and they go, oh, he's just, I mean, my sister, my sister was was doing a house, interior decorating. This lady said, oh, you're just such a sweet negress. Now, she's like, is this lady racist or is she stupid? <laughs> I mean, and, and she's probably somebody's sweet grandma, right? And, yeah, and make yeah. you pie in a minute. But she just called my daughter a negress, right? <laughs> so... You know, you could be racially offensive, and you don't even know it. Does it mean you're racist? It depends on what you do when you find out when that you're offensive. If you keep doing it, you're probably racist. So I don't know that it's a matter of um, – I think it's a journey that we're all on to be more and more loving um, and accept that we're sinners. The Bible says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked who can know it. 
and that it's not about what you're, you know, you want to prove that you're racist, but that you learn to interact with people that are different than you. Yeah, and I think that as we, as we, as you approach these things, I think there's a like like the book offers. There's an another option, and I like you offering uh, offering the word biased because it's it's easier for us to not only see but also acknowledge and openly even confess that we have biases, and, and we have biases on all sorts of different perspectives. Uh, and 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 once we start to agree on things, we open ourselves. You know, we're not because it's, it's really the the question answering the question yes or no is really not the issue. It's the issue is are we going to be open in this time period of of the culture we live in? Are we going to be open enough for the Holy Spirit to use us in the circle of influence that we have all, all around? And and the 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 need for us to learn, like you offer, you offer. Um, a third option, but it, you know, you didn't make this up. You go to jo- the book of Joshua. He's standing there, ready to battle. Uh, he's obviously over- concerned about the the. He's concerned about the battle. The angel of the Lord appears to him. He asks him which side you're on, and the angel answers, "No." We've got a couple minutes before the break, but can you can you offer that that biblical perspective? How Joshua inspired you to begin to develop the third option on this topic. Yeah, Joshua's going to the promised land. He's in Jericho, and, he, and the command of the Lord's army says, are you for us or our adversaries? And he, and he basically presented him what we're fighting with culture now. You're either on my side or you're my enemy. Those are the only two options he gave the command of the Lord's army. And so he says, are you for us, the Jews, or our adversaries, the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites? And the command of the Lord's army says, no, I'm not on either one of your sides. And it, that sounds backwards. Why, why wouldn't... God be on Joshua's side, because the promised land is not a Jewish idea. It was God's idea. And, and justice and equality is not the black person's idea. It's not the civil rights. It's not Martin Luther King's idea. It's God's idea. And as believers, we have to follow what God's lead is. And God said, I want thy will to be done on earth as it is in heaven for every person. And so it's not, it, this is not a black thing or a poor thing, a minority thing. It's a God thing. Yep. And and so that's the third option is that you know we we honor what we have in common and that's the, that's the desire for God to bring the promised land of heaven on earth right now. And how big of an issue is this tendency uh, for for us to be so polarizing in our views and not tolerate uh, and allow other differing perspectives? Do you see that increasing uh, the problem where we're just not willing to not take sides? That there's this pressure to take sides, so we do. I, I, you know, it, I think the month after George Floyd was killed, more more people than ever said we need to talk. And then since then, I think it's gone backwards because uh, people just started rejecting the Black Lives Matter uh, movement language, um, and and uh, which is unfortunate. And I, and my prayer is that people don't use that as an excuse to bypass the biblical mandate to love your neighbor as yourself and to um, speak out for those who can't speak out for themselves. And I think that's going to be the, uh, you know, that that we have to keep the Word of God before us and, and the, the great commandment before us and not let culture dictate what we do and how we do it. I agree. I think we're, we are prone to be greatly influenced by culture and then 
And then as pastors, we've got we've got 45 minutes to undo a week long dosage of news, politics, uh, frustrations, pains, hurts, wounds, uh, longstanding things. So you, you're listening to Calvary Live on the Grace FM radio network. We're glad that you joined us. We're coming up on the one and only break in our program. And if you have a call or a question for Pastor Miles McPherson, he's our special guest today. He's the pastor of the Rock Church in San Diego. He's also the author of The Third Option. And that's what we're talking about as, we, as we're stepping into this topic of racism, racial inequality, in groups, out groups. I mean, it's a fascinating, you've got to get this book. Uh, we want to put it into your hands. We want you to go on Amazon, get it, go to the bookstore. But you hear the music. Uh, we got a couple minutes and we'll be right back for the second half of today's program. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back everyone to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. We want to welcome everyone listening on Grace FM, Hope FM, Truth FM, Refuge FM and quite a few stations around the country. You guys online, uh, welcome from wherever you are. Uh, today is a, a special edition of Calvary Live as we are having a real conversation on racial tensions. Our special guest today is Miles McPherson. If you're just joining us, you're just jumping into the car and you're on your way home or you somebody passed on this podcast to you and you're clicking on at the second half, Pastor Miles has been pastoring in San Diego, uh, Rock Church now for 20 years. He served with uh, Pastor Mike McIntosh at Horizon Christian Fellowship for many years. He was a, an NFL, a professional NFL football player for the San Diego Chargers in the early 80s. Uh, the Lord did a tremendous work in his life, and now over the years, uh, his reach is far more than just the 20,000 that call Rock Church their home, but now with online and some of his, some of the clips that he puts on, you know, literally millions of people respond to the gospel, and and he has written a book that we want to expose you to, we want you to read. Uh, again, if you're just joining us on this second half, you've got to go back and listen to the beginning, uh, because we're talking about um, racism, we're talking about race, we're talking about another way of approaching this difficult situation. I know it's hard. I know it's challenging. We've experienced our own challenges as leaderships uh, in our church, but the reality is is that we're living in an unprecedented time, and God is really wanting us not to, as Pastor Miles said right before we broke uh, for the break, uh, we, he says we, we're, we need to be careful. Uh, well, not, I don't even know careful. We need to not allow culture and media and the world in which we live in influence how we approach this. We need to approach it biblically, uh, led by the Spirit, with the motive of loving our neighbor. And so with all that being said, welcome back to the program, Miles. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for being courageous and having this conversation. <clears throat> Thanks for taking the time. I know that uh, I know your time uh, is being used in all kinds of interviews, so praise God that your voice 
uh, is being uh, heard and and that you're you're just stepping in. I know that that that's been a characteristic I've watched in your ministry over the years. You've you not only have a unique delivery style where God just uses you uh, to reach so many different people, but you have a boldness about you uh, that is that that isn't. You know, sometimes people assert boldness with offensiveness, but you have always allowed the offense to be the gospel and. And I've always appreciated that about you. So let me ask you a personal question before we get to some of the concluding thoughts today. Um, you're a 60-year-old man, and living in the world like we are, you're a pastor, uh, you, everything, uh, all that you've experienced in life is, has, has been good, positive, uh, the Lord's blessed you and encouraged you, but you, in the last year, have you experienced an episode of being treated differently because, just because of the color of your skin. And can you share that with us from your perspective? Is it, can you share us something that just happened that is kind of everyday life for you, but we, we want to hear it because we don't live in your skin? That is a, that is a great question. You know, I, I've been talking about this. I've been kind of been on the offensive so much talking about the past, um, I have to think about it. That's a great question. You got me stumped only because it's so common. When I say common, uh, where was I? Let me think about. Let me think about a good example um, because you know people say stuff to me all the time, and yes. I just kind of have become so used to responding in a redeeming way that I just blow it off and forget about it. Um, so then so let's, I, I'll give you time. We'll <laughs> end with that. That'll be the last question um, because I, I, you know, we have a, we have a, uh, a wonderful man on our staff who we, we just had another incident with the Aurora police and uh, the Aurora police here in our city um, is caught up in the controversy because a couple of incidences of mistreatment, uh, including the death of one black uh, boy and then a young man. And then oh, yeah, we also, about that. yeah. And we also have the, we recently just, we have a new police chief. We just had an incident in Aurora where the a family was pulled over, thought it was a, a stolen car. They uh, they were a black family. You know, the adults are handcuffed, guns are drawn, and, you know, the little kiddos are, are crying. Six-year-old girl on the, they didn't handcuff her, but she's on the ground. It's just, it, it's in our city. It's right here in our backyard. Uh, so I got a couple of things. First of all, the some people think, and some people think that if you step into this discussion of racism, you acknowledge it, that you also have to adopt, number one, all the political views that surround Black Lives Matter or any of the other, th any of the other organizations, number one. But also, if you step into these discussions, that you somehow are anti-police. Can you, <laughs> yeah, can you yeah, speak yeah, to yeah. those two things? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Um, and I think probably the, I'll probably touch on both of the questions at the same time. Probably the thing that has bothered me the most in the last, you know, you said year, I would say month, is the one of the things that's been the hardest over the years, decades of me talking about this. And since I was a teenager in college and I had a brother who was a Heisen runner up and that was, you know, he was a number one rated passer in the country, yet he was told he couldn't throw the football. And I got, and he wasn't a good passer, yet he was the number one rated passer in the nation. And it was race. And, and to have people, white people tell me, well, it's not racism. And, and so when 
people when when people tell don't want to get into the discussion and make you feel like you're making it up that is probably one of the most offensive things that i get Mm, okay. um you know people the police in san diego know me uh we i'm very close with the police in san diego i i'm working on a movie and there's a police scene in the movie uh with the shooting and i call you know and this really happened so a lot of it's really true but i you know I'm, my relationship with the police and the da's office here couldn't be better you know i i actually sent it to the police chief and said listen read this because i don't want to make sure we're good when, when this movie comes out i did it i did a third option training for the da's office um, a month ago. So, um, to, so to answer, your, to answer both your questions, probably the most important offensive thing to me is when people tell me, and this happened multiple times in the last month, Miles, you know, that's not, you know, you're kind of, it's not what you say and it's not really that bad, et cetera. And so it's basically like you're making it up. Um, number two, when it comes to the, the binary argument the us versus them argument, which the third option is the third option. But the yeah. us versus them argument is if you are if you are against the police or not against the police, you're racist. It's an either or. Now, you, I am against what those police did in Aurora. I saw both those things, and I, I just don't get how you put any family on the ground. Um. And unfortunately, there would be some people that will say, well, they shouldn't have been there or whatever. They'll, they'll, they'll write it off. They won't, they won't say that those cops are wrong because they think if they say any cop's wrong, you're agreeing with that all cops are wrong. And that's right. the us versus them. That's the us versus them argument, which is the argument we don't want to be in as believers. Our, our job is to build the kingdom of God and not get in that argument. And so my dad was a cop. My son is a cop here in San Diego. I love the police. But the police are human, and there are some cops who do wrong things. And I think I don't know that any person listening to this would reasonably believe that a white family would have had that happen to them. I just don't believe that. And, and, and I've never seen it. I don't believe it. And, and so now does, does it mean that those particular individual cops have white hoods in their, in their, in their closet? Maybe not, but that's not the point. The point is that those people it had a horrible situation happen to them. It should have never happened. It is not in that training to put little kids on the ground, on their stomach, with uh, handcuffs. And, but you have to be able to separate that incident from saying all police are racist because right. I don't believe all police are racist. That, and, you know, and there's a... There's a story, and I, and I, I have an e-course on this book, and, and, and in the e-course, I help people work through changing labels. I help people work through taking race conversation to race consultation. I have helped people work through their blind spots in these six sessions. There's video teaching and role plays, and it's great for small groups. It launches on Tuesday, this Tuesday coming up. You can go to milesofpearson.com to uh, get the link to buy it. But one of the, the bonus section talks about how do you deal with all these binary arguments, you know, um, and the binary is, is either or. And the, and the answer is how well do you love people who don't agree with you? Yeah. And, and so we have to get to that point and not feel like it's all or nothing 
zero-sum game. And you have to be able to say, you know, those police, that, that family on the ground, that should have never been on the ground. They didn't do anything. I don't care if they thought that they, it was a stolen car. They, weren't, they didn't just shoot up the mall, you know. They didn't just murder people. And those are little kids. I mean, whether they were little kids or not. And so that stuff happens all the time, and I think people need to step back and take each individual case individually. Yeah, I, I, that was one of the most startling things as we began to step into this was uh, one of the most uh, difficult emails I received was someone really passionately wanting to explain to them and then and then just kind of explain their ro- their position to me and as if I did something wrong leading our church into this discussion and leading our church into a an attempt to be a change agent on this topic in particular, not just all topics, but this topic. And, you know, they said, you know, you're, you don't love cops. And my son was a cop. Uh, and, and I love police. Uh, I love everything that they do when, when they do it right. It's just sort of like me saying, you know, right before the show today, I was reading some articles and, and another prominent pastor, uh, he had to resign. He made some serious mistakes. You know, he, I think it was a wise decision for him to resign. He should have never approved. Uh, what he did was wrong, and it's unfortunate, and that failure disqualified him. But to the, then to say that you know every pastor, because of that failure, is equally a failure, um, really doesn't cross our minds. You know, we identify it. We say, hey, you know, here's a guy that made a mistake, a sinful mistake. He stepped down. But but then I don't conclude that every pastor is equally bad or worse. I just recognize, man, most pastors are great. They they sacrifice. They serve it great. They serve with great um, sacrifice. They invest hours and hours. Nobody will ever know except the Bema seat. And I think of police officers, you know, every day we just pray, get home safe, get home safe, get home safe. And on occasion, there's a failure because— we're sinful. We have this sin nature and a propensity for sin. And so I love the I, I love the couple of things you said. One is binary and, and just remembering that n- most things are not binary, number one. And number two, how you've approached this. And I think it's really good for us. Anyone listening, listen, as you've been going through these conversations, I think this is the fifth or sixth one I've done. Like you, you we're help. I love this phrase. I'm going to adopt it. I mean, it's not new, but it, I'm going to adopt it. We want to help you work through that. It's because it is a working through. It's not, don't make a decision just because you listen to this podcast or this radio broadcast. Like we want to help you work through because the Holy Spirit is obviously doing something in your life. And this is a moment, a possibility of radical change like never before. And and so in the final moments we have, uh, Miles, talk to us about the book, where they can get it, uh, this course. Maybe you can describe the course a little bit more so that we know what you're talking about when you say you got a new course coming out. Exactly. exactly. You can get the book, obviously, on Amazon. It's called The Third Option. The e-course is a sixth session course. Uh, each session has about a 20-minute teaching and then um, uh, questions, discussion questions, uh, individual questions, and then role play in each uh, course that you could, so you can do this with a small group. The first one, we start with unity. Uh, similar, the first theme is similarity, how we start with that we're, we're similar, and then we look at our uniqueness of our differences. And then the next one is in-group, out-group. We have a whole session on in-group, out-group, how we can convert people from being in our out-group to being in our in-group. And the easy way to do that is to identify something we share. The third third session is 
discovering our blind spots. The fourth session is converting dishonoring labels to honoring labels. If you give someone a dishonoring label, like you say they're ugly, you'll never see them being cute. But if you say they're cute, you'll see everything about them being cute. And you can change how you see someone just by what you call them. Uh, The fifth session is Brothers Keeper, where we can hold each other accountable. And the last one is turning race conversations into race consultations. And so when I talk to you, I may see a white guy who wears khakis and a, and a, and a shirt that's too big, right? <laughs> and then, but <laughs> I, I don't know you, so I'm not judging. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just throwing a hypothetical out there. That's good. And in, my, good. and in my mind, I may go, here's what I think about him. And I'm having a race conversation in my head as soon as I see you. Yeah. You can't not yeah. do that. But, and what that means for everybody who's listening, when you see a person, you understand what race and ethnicity are. You understand if they're male, female, if they've got black hair, blonde hair. So it's not that, that's not a bad thing. You're just acknowledging what your eyes see. But the problem is we make assumptions in our head. Race consultation is where I suspend my thoughts and don't, don't declare them truth until I let you self-disclose to me who you are. And, and that's where you have a race consultation. And, and so if we start stop judging people as soon as we see them, then we get time to know them and talk to them and listen to their story. Next time you go to airport, you've got a great airport there in Denver or Colorado, I don't know which airport, whatever you go to, it's international. And, you, and a lot of times we hear people with a different accent. We think, well, they can't speak English, you know, and we have this judgment. Instead of like, wait, tell me your life, tell me your story. And so these six sessions are great for small groups. Um, and then there's the bonus section I talked about. And then there's homework, you know, that you do during the week um, to really think about these issues and, and learn and grow. I would say to your audience, Pastor, you're right. It's hard work. And, and, and I will tell you, as a white person, this is going to be very new to you compared to people of color. I said this at the beginning of the show. But... This is the work that needs to be done. And you may say, well, how can we have to do it? You did, we, 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 we deal with it every day. It's, you know, my parents, my grandparents have, have dealt with stuff all their life. I've dealt with stuff, you know, getting called the N-word all for eight years of my elementary school, getting called white boy by the black kids in my neighborhood, you know, constant, constant, you know, hearing racial jokes all through my ministry, you know, hearing pastors tell racial jokes. You know, you know, so it's, it's constant and it's not like it's payback time, but it, the point is, is that it is hard for all of us, Yeah. but it is going to glorify God. And, and, um, and this book is going to be a very non-critical, non-threatening way. And I thank you, Ed, for, you know, saying what you said about it, that it was encouraging to you and you didn't feel accused or threatened or, or called out, right? No, not at all. Was, I think we... Yeah. I think it did. I think you the approach from Joshua that, you know, one of the things our culture has lost just about on any topic is the art of nuance and that art of caring for others more than I care. You know, it's almost like if I have a Facebook account, it's like uh, Facebook's inviting me, like everybody wants to know my opinion now when, when and I can just share it however I want. And 
And that's not the heart of God. The heart of God is not only nuanced, but he was very careful. Jesus was very careful to step into the lives of the people he was ministering to, or like Paul would say, becoming all things to all men so that I might win the more. And and we weren't we weren't offended. We we weren't threatened. We weren't offended. And we had really good, strong discussions. And for the people that didn't have discussion, you know, the processors, the ones that that didn't really have a lot of input, but they're listening. You know, the Holy Spirit uses this stuff. If we just get it, get get, if we just get our thoughts and on our our ideas on the table, and we resp- give a safe environment for us to share the opinions that we currently hold, even if they do are hurtful. I think that we're giving God a chance to shape and mold us as we're being, uh, you know, sanctified into the image of Christ. So before we head out, I know you got to go. Uh, did you think of a specific, did a specific incident come back and that you can share with us? Yeah, I think it was the multiple times in the last year. And I mean, last year, well, you asked about a year, year, but specifically the last, you know, 30 days where I started to get pushed back from people who were discounting what I was saying yes. about racism, just the fact that, yeah. you know, uh, there's other there's other ways of looking at all this stuff, and it may not be as racist as you think. And it's stuff that was really blatant. Uh, uh, and I think discounting the pain, you know, when, and I have a few minutes. I can go if, you, if you're if you good to okay, go to 4 o'clock, but, um, especially if you have a call that wants to come in. But one of the things that's offensive that hasn't been said to me recently, but it's, it's the spirit of it, is when people say they don't see color. And what right. I, I get the intent that you're trying to build a bridge. But the other side to it is that you don't exist. Your your color and the burden and pain that comes with your color is not important to me. It's not real to me. I don't want to acknowledge. I don't want to talk about it. All, all, that's how it's received because you're saying, you know, I, I remember I was at church. <laughs> I was at Horizon, and it was, and I don't think the person meant anything by it. But I I was like. Are you? Are you? Do you have an eye stigmatism? And they said, No, I just don't see your color. And I was like, What? And I didn't really understand what that meant. I mean, but really, as I processed it, you know, it's like my experience is probably is not real to you. And, and that has happened more recently, especially in light of when George Floyd was killed. It was it triggered something in me that I never felt and never heard, never thought about. And so in light of that, to have people tell me, you know, well, you know, we don't know about this and, and discount my pain, that probably was, you know, the most – I really had to pray when those things were said to me because it was from people I cared about, and I felt like they still didn't get it. And, yeah. and, 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 and it was like – so you're telling me all the stuff we've experienced and seeing George Floyd murdered still wasn't enough to prove that there's racism. That that probably was probably the hurtful, most hurtful thing, and in, in and that was in the last 30 days. So um, I, I can't remember in the last year, but that was that was probably the most hurtful thing. Uh, and Do you have any calls? Really Do you have helpful. any calls? I'll, I'll take a call if you want to do that, and we can go to four o'clock. Or, or okay, we'll go to four, but we don't have any calls. But I've got, I've got, okay. uh, so I've got a thought as if I was calling in. But uh, you used the word hurt, I don't know, maybe three or four times. 
Uh, and yesterday in our staff meeting, our staff meeting is Wednesday, we're, we're talking about this, we're finishing the book, we're summarizing it, it was great. And then the topic of this family in Aurora came up. We talked about mm. the, we, we started talking about that. And, and one, of, uh, one of the pastors, uh, he said, you know, um, his, his final comments on our staff meeting was, well, I'm glad that we went through this. It, it's beginning, you know, uh, I'm seeing healing. He used the word healing. Uh, I'm just starting to heal by this. I didn't want to say anything, but because someone else said it, uh, it just feels like every time I see something like that on the on the news, every time I see it happen, it's like it it's all over again. He, it's like all over. It starts all over again in my heart about how I was raised, everything he's gone through, and 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 that led me to share. When you say healing, that means you were hurt, you were wounded. Um, so, are you telling us that when you watch this episode on the news? that you were deeply hurt by it and he got to share those things. So what would you say to someone? How would you explain from your perspective, Miles, you, you've been, you, these things that might not even be known that they're being said, they may not even understand, but they hurt you. How does someone, how does someone specifically a black man that's been hurt by words intended or not? How are you, how do you respond? What's the right way to respond? How do you, you know what is that hurt what is that hurt exactly and how how do you respond and how can we be better in our words or how can we minister you know how can we serve you better when we hurt you yeah i think that um let me say this um the hurt you know i watched that yesterday and i and i i i I had to turn away from the TV because I, I, I was getting so angry and it wasn't at white people. Right. right. And, and so uh, it's, it's, it's a tricky balance between people feeling like I need to be more sensitive, but I don't want to be on eggshells all the time. Right. Um, because, you know, if you don't talk about it and you, you have to understand as people of color, we, we, for so many years before George Floyd, you know, we just deal with stuff. And I think what you saw was people saying, I'm not, I'm not putting up with this anymore. And, and, and what was triggered in me when George Floyd was killed was there's this sense that I had felt powerless to white people all my life. And, and when he was killed, it was killed. He was killed in such a cold-blooded way that it was such a blatant statement that you are powerless. Mm-hmm. And it was a visualization of what you've experienced. So now the flip side is that a lot of people listening, you didn't do that, right? So you know, I don't. I want you to walk around in eggshells, but it, but at the same time, there's a balance between um, knowing that. Hopefully you you haven't offended a bunch of people, but at the same time, knowing people are still hurt. And so, how can I walk in a room and be aware of that? And because it's easy just not to deal with it. And that's 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 an option people have if you're part of the majority culture, and if you're around your in group all the time, you have the choice to not have to deal with it. But when you're around people who are not like you, then you have to deal with it. And yeah. and so I think. Because I, I, the reason I'm taking so long to answer your question is I don't want people to think, man, i got to worry about everything I say. But if we just say we're going to be loving and caring and compassionate, yes. what the Bible yeah. says, if we just yeah. do that, 
well, you'll be yeah, fine. I was, and, I was sharing, <laughs> like I was telling, I'm trying to, I was, I'm, I'm wanting to, to learn and I'm wanting uh, our church to go like listening, empathy, they cost nothing. And we can learn everything if we'll just listen. And we're going to make mistakes. You know, we're we're not going to have everything. We're not going to have everything in order. But as we begin to value everyone as image bearers, and we begin to value everyone, um, everyone, and Lord's teaching us that um, we definitely don't want to walk on Eric's shoulders. We want to have the kind of friendship relationship that's covered in love, where even if we do make mistakes, we'll work it out. Yeah, it's good. You know, and, and exactly, and and that's the gospel. I think you know one of the ways it, this can be looked at, which is kind of what I sense, is that we've been friends all this time. While all of a sudden now you're hurt. Well, we've been hurt all this time. We've been, saying, yeah. you know, yep. or 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 we just stop 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 complaining because it wasn't getting yeah. anywhere. And I think that that's what people need to realize is that this is this is nothing new other than people are now responding to it. And yeah. and, and that response isn't necessarily, you know, sometimes it's extreme here, you know, it may be extreme on this side because it's, it's, it's new to respond. It's, you know, how do, how do we deal with racism? And now people have, some people are, are responding out of hundreds of years of guilt. So there's really no perfect balance. And that's what we're trying to figure out. But this stuff isn't new to us, and yes. um, it is going to be a balancing act. But I pray that believers would just rely on Jesus, say, Lord, just make me more like you. And by, by the way, Miles McPherson has to be more like Jesus because of this as well. When That's I wrote right. the book, the first draft was not a good one, and I had to rewrite it because I was angry, and someone had to point that out to me. So, you know, we all have to grow in this. Well, hey, Miles, thanks for investing time. We're like 10 seconds out. God bless you, bro. God bless you. Thank you. MilesMcPherson.com. All the information on the third option. Get it. Get it. It's our pick of the month. Get it. You'll be blessed. And we'll be back next time. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.